0: Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. Acts chapter 10, uh, we come to really the, the first time that God is actively pushing the church to take the gospel to the gentile nations. Now of course we remember uh beginning of the book of acts the church had began in Jerusalem and in Jerusalem they saw a lot of Jews uh come to to know Christ as their savior. A lot of Jewish uh people got saved and became Jewish believers, and of course persecution comes, and so they're pushed out to Samaria where they're, they're giving the gospel to the Samaritans. And then we have that one instance where Philip goes down and he gives the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch who takes the gospel to the continent of Africa. But in Acts chapter 10, uh, God sends Peter specifically to go to the Gentile people. Now at the end of Acts chapter 9, uh, we didn't see it last week because we were focused on the Apostle Paul. But in the end of chapter 9, Peter has began a ministry in Joppa. He's left Jerusalem. He's gone down to Joppa. He's performed some miracles there. He's, he's raised a woman from the dead there. He's, he's doing a, a great work there and healing some sick. And then in Acts chapter 10, we are introduced to a man named Cornelius. So look in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse number 1. There was a certain man... In Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. This was uh, one of the most popular rock bands in the area at the time. Now, uh, The Italian band, it was a group of soldiers. Uh, Roman soldiers, and he was a group of this Italian band. It was a, it was a very well-known, very kind of feared regiment of Roman soldiers. And he is a leader of this regiment. He's a centurion. So he is in charge of 100 Roman soldiers. So Cornelius, now that we know a little bit about him, he is a powerful man. He is a well-respected man and he has an incredible authority in the area. Then look at verse number two. So we know that about him. He's a Roman. He's a soldier. He's a leader. But then look at verse two. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So not only was he a a kind of a, a respected man in the community, a feared man in the community, because he's a, again he's a leader of a well-known Roman uh, garrison, Roman guard, uh, part of this kind of a, a, just a general in charge. So he's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of respect. People admire him. He's also a religious man. The Bible says he feared God. The Bible says he gave alms to the poor. The Bible says he prayed daily. He was a religious man but he's not a saved man. So how do you know that, preacher? Because Acts chapter 10 tells us Peter went to Cornelius to tell him how to be saved. Now, you typically don't go to a guy who is saved to tell him how to be saved. He's already saved. So he was a religious guy. He had a lot of and he had a lot of stuff going on and he was trying to do good works and he wanted to do good but he wasn't saved. Then look at verse number 3. Uh, He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day. I love how Luke says, he doesn't know, you know, about the ninth hour. Apparently, he saw this vision about the ninth hour of the day. Uh, An angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he had looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, Whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier of them that wait on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius he's 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 a faithful guy, he's trying, he's seeking God. And God comes to him in a vision. God comes to him and says, hey, Cornelius, I'm going to tell you what you have to do to have a relationship with me. So he tells him there's a guy in Joppa named Simon. They really call him Peter. That's important because he's staying at the house of a guy also named Simon. So it's Simon and Simon. Y'all remember that TV show in the 80s, Simon and Simon? Am I the only one? Okay, I got a couple old people here. Uh, so Simon and Simon, uh, he goes, go to Simon's house. You'll find Simon there, but look for Peter. Don't look for the tanner. And so he sends three men, two of his servants and a, another Roman guard. He sends them to Joppa to get Peter. This took a lot of faith on Cornelius' part. He doesn't know who Peter is. He doesn't know what Peter's... He just is told by God, hey, go get Peter. Peter will tell you what you have to do. So by faith, he sends these men to get Peter. He obeys what God had told him to do. Now look at verse number 9. So he got Cornelius. He had a vision. Verse number 9. On the morrow, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up on a housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. You ever been so hungry, you kind of just passed out? That's what Peter, Peter he's hangry right now. He's so hungry, he's fainting. And so he, he has this vision that God gives him. And so heaven open and a certain vessel descending uh, unto him. And as, a, as it had been a great sheep sheet, Knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. So he's, he's hungry. They're making him lunch. But while he's waiting for lunch, he's praying and he falls into a trance. He has a vision of God and he sees heavens opened up and he sees God let down a blanket with all kinds of food on it. So verse number 12. Where when, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls foul, of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter kill, and eat. So he gets this vision of these these animals, and it's not just kosher animals. There's, there's creeping things. There's a, a sheet full of really this vision is what the Jewish people consider unclean animals. And God tells him, rise up, Peter. Kill some of this, these animals and eat them. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common... Or unclean. Uh, and the voice spoke to him and said, again the second time, says, What God has cleansed, that call thou not common. This was done thrice, and the vessels received up into heaven, uh, up again into heaven. Now, this, this vision that God gives Peter, uh, it's not just, it, he shows him a vision of all these unclean animals and says, eat them. But Peter uh, says, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything uncommon or unclean. And God says, hey, don't call what I've uh, made clean. Don't call it unclean. Don't call it common. Now, this was not just a vision to let Peter and the Jewish, pe- the Jewish believers know that now they could eat bacon. That's a wonderful message to receive, and we could preach on that all day long, where God said, now eat bacon and shrimp, bacon-wrapped shrimp. Beautiful. That's not really what he was dealing with here. That was part of what he was dealing with. But really, he was starting to begin to deal with the prejudices that Peter had in his heart. See, Peter, because of his culture, because of his upbringing, he had a lot of prejudices, not just with food, but God is going to tell him to go to the Gentiles. Peter had a lot of problems with the Gentiles. You know, he had a strong opinion of him. Remember, there is a lot of division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this guy is going to, he's not just a Gentile He's a Roman Gentile. He's not just a Roman Gentile, he's a Roman soldier who's a Gentile. Who killed Jesus on the cross? Well, it was the Roman soldiers. So Peter has got a few issues with. Roman soldiers. He's got a few issues with Gentiles. And so God is about to tell him, hey, I need you to go to this Roman soldier Gentile and share the gospel with him. But he can't just come out and do that. He's got to prepare his heart. So he shows him all these unclean things, says Peter eat something. And Peter says, I can't Lord, I don't eat anything unclean. And God says, hey, I don't call what I have made clean unclean. Don't call what I have sanctified or what I have chosen don't call that common. So Peter is one of those Jews who had a lot of problems with the Gentiles, who viewed the Gentiles as inferior. So even though even though he is saved, Peter is a believer. He is an apostle. He has spent three and a half years with Jesus. He has seen the risen Savior. He has preached Pentecost and seen thousands of people saved. He's been used to heal people. He's been used to do great miracles. He is being used by God to write the Bible and to start the church. He's still got some prejudices in him. He's still got some things that kind of don't go well with the gospel. And so God had to deal with that. Look at verse number 17. Now while Peter doubted in himself... What this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is this cause wherefore you are come? And they said, Cornelius the Centurion, a just now again, they just told him what he was. He's a Roman guard, he's a Roman general, he is a Roman leader of soldiers. So he's he's a Gentile, he's a Roman soldier. So Cornelius the Centurion, a just man and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee unto his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he in, then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So. We meet Cornelius, who God says, hey, go send for Peter. And Cornelius acts on faith, not knowing really what's going on, but he sends men to go get Peter. Then we see Peter has this vision from God about these unclean animals who now are made clean. And then as he's sitting there kind of wondering what's going on, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, there's three guys down there looking for you. Just go with them. Whatever they say, just go with them. Don't doubt it. Don't question it. Don't worry about it. Just go. So he goes to meet these guys and says, Hey, what do you guys want? Oh, we're Roman people. We're Roman Gentiles. We have this Roman soldier who God said to bring you to see, so you could talk to him. And Peter just says, All right. That takes incredible faith from Peter. So Cornelius, an unsaved man, is showing great faith. Peter, a... Believer, a follower, an apostle of God is showing incredible faith because again, they, they speak well of Cornelius. They say, "Hey, Cornelius, Cornelius wants you to come talk to him." I mean, Cornelius, he's a great guy. Everybody loves him. He's a wonderful person. But Peter doesn't know Cornelius. Peter don't know anything about him, and so he's just taking these strangers' word for the fact that Cornelius is a good guy who's not a Roman soldier who's going to arrest him and have him crucified like they did Jesus, who's not going to throw him in prison like they have in the past. So he's just going to, by faith, trust, because God said, just follow him. Just do what they ask you to do. So he goes and obeys what they have to do. So Peter trusts God and his calling and goes with him. And let's look at verse number 24. told you we're going to read a lot of scripture. We're going to read the whole chapter. Then we're going to quickly point out what this chapter is teaching us. Verse 24. <coughs> and tomorrow, the after they'd entered Caesarea, and Cordelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. So Cornelius brings people from his house, people from his neighborhood. He's like, hey, God said this guy's going to come and tell us what we got to do. Y'all gotta come. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what he's going to tell us to do, but let's all listen together to see what is going on. Uh, and Peter was coming in Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know that it it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one another, one of another nation. But God showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. See, he finally got the message God was telling him about the, the unclean food and the, the clean food. He was saying, you know what? God has told me to come to these men, and so God wants me to get rid of all these prejudices and all these, these things I have against other people. And so God told me to come here. The rest of the Jewish nation may look down upon you. People may look down upon you, but God told me to come here, so I'm going to obey God. Uh, Therefore came I unto you, verse 29. Without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, what intent you have sent for me. So he goes, look, you know, I shouldn't be here. It's unlawful to be here. But God told me to be here. What do you want? Verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius Thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are in remembrance in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon the Tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God. So Peter, again, he reminds you know, Cornelius, hey, I shouldn't be here. It's not legal for me to be here. But Cornelius tells him a story about what's going on uh, and how God had told him to go get Peter. Then look at verse number thirty-four. Now, look, verse thirty-four. I want you to underline it. I want you to highlight it. I want you to circle it. Whatever you do in your Bible, if it's your Bible app, go ahead and highlight it with your finger. Uh, if you have, uh, if you mark in your Bible, uh, go ahead and mark it. If you don't mark in your Bible, why? You should mark in your Bible. It's <laughs> bring your attention to things. Verse thirty-four is my favorite verse in the entire Bible, all right? It's a good one. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. That's a great verse right there. That's a great, look, that means no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what your past is, no matter what you're, what, what you're going through right now, God doesn't respect me more than you because I'm a pastor and you're just a layman, so God gives me better favor and God blesses me more and I'm gonna have a bigger mansion in heaven than you are. Spoiler alert, you're, none of us are getting a mansion in heaven, so don't worry about that. But is that, you know, God doesn't love me more than he loves you. And Peter says, I understand now. That God loves me, a converted Jew, who left everything to follow Jesus, who gave my life for him, who has preached for him, who has served him, who has done miracles. God loves me, Peter the Apostle, just as much as he loves this Roman soldier, Cornelius. God is no respecter of persons. I don't think y'all like that verse as much as I like that verse. I don't think y'all understand that verse the way I understand that verse. You know why that's my favorite verse? Because that means God loves me just as much as he loves Peter, just as much as he loves King David, just as much. Here's a good thing. You know what that means? This verse here means God loves me just as much as he loves his son, Jesus. Not because of anything I've done. Matter of fact, in spite of anything I've done, but because Jesus came to earth lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross and absorbed the wrath of God for my sin, was buried and rose again three days later. Now he took my sin and I have his righteousness and God loves me just like he loves Jesus. But what this verse also tells us, because remember, who's Peter talking to? Peter's talking to an unsaved man. That means God also loves the unsaved world as much as he loves me. He loves the people who have never heard his name. The people who have reached... Now, just because he loves them doesn't mean they're going to heaven when they die. He loves them. He died for them. He wants them to receive salvation and become a child of God. If they don't, they're going to have to suffer eternity in hell. Not because of how bad they've done, but because they refuse to accept but he loves them just as much as he loves us. God is no respecter of persons. Look, y'all need to memorize that verse. Live that verse. Tattoo it on your forehead backwards so you can see it in the mirror. All right? Uh, you know, if y'all do that, don't, please don't do that. Uh, but if you do, that's a good verse to tattoo on your head backwards so you can see it when you look in the mirror. Not because you want to tell everybody, because you need to understand, God don't love you more than anybody else. That's what God was telling Peter. Peter, you're an apostle. Peter, you're a Jew. Peter, you have done everything right, but I love Cornelius just as much as you. He's trying to get Peter to get rid of his cultural prejudices. That's what he wants us to do as well. So when you're driving down Melrose here and you see those people who, when you look at, you know they're struggling with drug addiction. You know they're struggling with sin. And you see them. And I know you do it because I do it sometimes. You kind of get that little, how could they do that to yourself? They kind of, because man, I'm glad I'm not like there. God's reminding us, hey, 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 hey. I love them just as much as I love you. And He reminds me, hey, you're a few bad decisions away from being just where they're at. Don't get too proud. Don't get too high and mighty and think, oh, I would never. Don't ever say I would never. Because Satan's listening and saying, oh, really? I bet I could get you to do that. Unless you're like, I would never give the gospel to anybody. Then Satan's like, all right, peace, I don't care, have that. But don't ever say I'm better. So Paul is dealing, God is dealing with Peter's cultural prejudices, his pride. He's dealing with ours too. God's no respecter of persons. That's not in my notes. I just, I don't think y'all like that verse as much as I like that verse. I want you to like that verse like I do, all right? Verse 35. But at every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him the word which god sent unto the children of israel preaching peace by jesus christ he is lord of all that word i say you know which was published throughout all judea and began from galilee after the baptism which john preached how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil <coughs> sorry For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day. You know what he's. All right, do you you get what he's preaching here? He's preaching the gospel. Jesus came as God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose three days later. He is giving this man the gospel. Uh, Who God raised him up the third day, showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remissions of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which viewed were astonished. Now, them of the circumcision, who were they? They are the Jews that Peter brought down with him from Joppa. They are Jewish believers who came from Joppa, and they're seeing Peter preach the gospel to these Roman Gentile soldiers, and they believe the gospel, and they receive Jesus as their Savior, and immediately they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Jews are like, Whoa, we've never seen this before. The uncircumcised Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. Verse 46, for they, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man, man forbid water that they should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as all we as well as we? They commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they to him to tarry certain days. So this right here, this story is an incredible picture of God's love for everyone. For the world. For God so loved the world. Now, up until this point, the Jews viewed that as, well, for God so loved the world just means us. But now, he is showing these first believers, these Jewish believers, that the gospel, the love of God is meant for everybody. But it shows us more than that. Because what we see here is Peter... Changing the world for God. Peter making an incredible impact on the world for the gospel. So it shows us how we can make an impact on the world around us. How we as believers, how we are meant to make a difference. How we are meant to change the world for God. So, how do we do that? Number one, first thing we see how we can make an impact on the world. Number one, Connor, walk closely with God. Cornelius was a religious man. Religion has never saved anybody. Period. I don't care how many times you go to church, I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care how many times you pray every day. I don't care how many times you fast. If you are basing your salvation on your religious activity, you are sorely mistaken and you're going to end up in hell one day. You've got to have a relationship with God. Cornelius was a religious man, but Peter was a true believer. In verse 10, these Gentile unbelievers, they come to Peter, and when they find Peter, what is Peter doing? Look at verse 10 again. I got to flip my page because again we spend a lot of time on the whole thing. Verse ten, uh, <clears throat> and he became very hungry and would have eaten. Uh, sorry, verse nine. On the morrow they went on the journey and drew nigh to the city, and Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So, what, what did we find Peter doing when they find him? He's praying. Now, this wasn't something Peter did every once in a while. This was part of Peter's life, a consistent. Part of his life was a consistent prayer time with God. He made walking with God a regular part of his life. Here's what I'm saying. If you do not have a regular, consistent, vibrant walk with God yourself, you are never going to impact any part of the world for God. Period if you're not consistently, and not just getting up and reading your Bible to read your Bible, but if you're not studying and memorizing and meditating on the Word of God, if you are not consistently and regularly praying to God the Father, if you're going to have a close walk with God daily, you will make no impact for God in any area of your life. If we don't walk with God, in our, if it's not part of our regular life, we're not going to impact the world. Look, if you are not consistently, faithfully walking with God, mom and dad, you are not going to impact your family for God. Period. If mom and dad aren't walking with God, don't expect the kids to walk with God. There was a recent study that a pure research did. And according to this this study, that was done in 2022, so very recent, 33% of adults ages 30 to 49. How many of y'all are ages 30 to 49? Okay, we got it. David, you're on the cusp there, David. All right. So this this study includes you. If you're age 30 to 49, 33% of you read your Bible at least once a week. Look, that's not enough number 1. But the number of that age group who read their bible every day was so low they couldn't even do it. But so 33% of you read your bible once a week. Now look, if if that's all that you're reading your bible, you're not going to that's not enough to to affect you or affect anybody around you. Now, second but before we move on, older, how many of you are older than 49? And you're like, yeah, those that that those baby boomers or those those zennials we're zennials you know we're not millennials forget the millennials you know if you you, had, you I remember the 80s I wasn't born in the 88 I remember the 80s uh, but anyway so you know us zennials are like and hey, they they don't read the Bible enough uh, those of you who are over 50 the baby boomers 29 percent of you read your Bible once a week so don't get so high and mighty you ain't doing much better but here's the thing. Of people 18 and under, how many of y'all are 18 and under? We got a few of you in here. We got a few kiddies in here. 5% of people 18 and under read their Bible at all. You you know why 5% of under 18 year olds are barely reading their Bible? Because mom and dad are only reading it once a week if they're reading it at all. How can we expect them to do what we don't do? What you, what you allow in your life, your kids are going to do in excess. So here's the thing. If you don't make prayers and reading your Bible and church attendance a priority in your life, guess what your kids aren't going to do? Any of it. We wonder why our kids turn 18, go to college, graduate, start their own life, and never come back to church. Because walking with God wasn't a priority for mom and dad. So it's not a priority for them. If you're going to impact your family, walking with God has to be a priority for you. You've got to make reading your Bible more than just once a week. And look, the sad thing is that 33% of, of adults who read their Bible once a week, you know, when they consider reading their Bible, when they came to church and the pastor said, open your Bible too. If Acts chapter 10 is the only chapter you read in your Bible this week, because I just read it to you. You ain't reading enough Bible. I'm not saying you got to get up and study four or five hours a day. I'm not saying you got to get up and read fifteen or sixteen chapters a day. I'm just saying you got to get up and you got to have your daily bread. You got to read the Bible, open it up, and look. I don't care if you read fifteen chapters or a verse. If God speaks to you in that verse, praise the Lord. You have to walk closely with God. If you don't, you're not going to impact. Anything for the kingdom of God, including your family. So if you're not walking close to God, you're not going to impact your neighborhood, your job, your school, or your family for the kingdom of God. Second thing you got to do, not only do you got to walk close to God, number two, you got to obey God. Look at verse number 23. <clears throat> then called he and them and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter, Peter went away with them. And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So God tells Peter, hey, Peter, three guys are going to come and talk to you. Don't question it. Don't ask what they want. Don't do it. All you got to do, Peter, is follow them. And Peter obeyed God. He didn't question it. He didn't go back to God that night and say, hey, God, I know you said just follow these dudes, but they're Romans. You sure about this? They said, come. He said, all right, let's go. He obeyed the Lord. And look, that's something that wasn't usually expected of him. Again, Cornelius, he's a Gentile. He's a Roman soldier. Peter's a converted Jew. Culture and the law prevented him from even visiting someone from Rome. Uh, and, And again, Rome was the enemy to the first believers. Peter had every reason not to obey God. But he did it anyway. Now, one reason... He so willingly obeyed God was because, point number one, he was walking closely to God. If you're not walking close to God and God asks you to do something, you're not going to obey him. Why? Because closeness with God produces love for God, which brings obedience to God. Remember what Jesus said? He goes, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey me. You know why I, I love my wife so much? And, you know, I love her more now than I, I, I did when I was 19 and proposed to her. So you proposed at 19? Yeah, I was stupid. Don't do that. Uh, but, you know, when I was 19, and proposed, she had just graduated high school. So I don't even think she wasn't even 18 yet. Uh, she was 17. Uh, but you know, she had just graduated high school and I proposed to her and, uh, you know, and that was that, but you know, I I loved her then, but, uh, and, and you know, you know how I know I love her. I love her more now because when we, when we, right before we got married, I'm talking to my mom and she thought it was a huge mistake. Again, I've told y'all when we got married, my family, they didn't hate April, but they didn't really like April. And now they like her more than like me. So. It worked out for her. But I remember before my wedding, my mom, she's like, are you sure you want to do this? And, you know, I think you're making a mistake. And I told her, Mom, look, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get an annulment or get a divorce. No big deal. That was my opinion when we got married. Now, I couldn't imagine divorcing her. I couldn't imagine living with Now, I could kill her sometimes, but I would never divorce. I can't imagine living without her. And look, she gets mad because sometimes she'll be like, oh, don't, you know, she'll say, I need you. And I'm like, I don't need you, honey. I mean, I can, I can get by without you. I can, I can make my bed. I can cook dinner. I cook better than you do. You know, I can, I can take care of myself. I can clean the house. I can do all the things that, you know, you take care of. I, I don't need you, but I want you. And I can't live without you. But when we were 20, when I was 20 and we got married, I thought, "Well, if this doesn't, if this doesn't work out, no big deal. You know, we got, we got a while to get into normal, and we can get a divorce. No big deal. But I love her now more than I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, anyway, oh, yeah. So, anyway, love, and look, I don't, when I say obey her, I don't obey her. She doesn't obey me. We submit to each other. But I respect her, and she'll ask me to do stuff, and I'll do it. And I, I care about what her opinion is because I love her. The closer I get to God, the more likely I am when God says, hey, do whatever the more likely I'm going to say, yes, Lord, I'll obey. No questions asked. Closeness leads to love that that always makes obedience easy. Now, we are not going to make an influence on our world unless we are willing and eager to obey God. Not just in the things that are easy. Not just in the things that we want to do. Because look, what Peter is doing here is not easy for him. It's not something he would want to do. But he does it anyway. It's, it's, and we obey God in all things. In how we raise our family. In how we interact with the lost world. In our faithfulness to church. Obedience to God in serving. Obedience to God in giving to the ministry of God. And look, yes, I have my notes. And y'all know me. I hate... Preaching about money. I do. Makes me feel icky. And you know, makes me feel bad. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna say, you know, give me a hundred dollars and I'll give you a rag, I'll sweat it on, and God will heal all your problems. I'm not used to doing that, I don't want to do that either. Makes me feel uncomfortable. But here's the thing giving to God is a is a commandment of God. It's 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 in scripture. It's something we're supposed to do. And I know right now it's hard. I know how much gas is, folks. I know how much I know it's ridiculous when a gallon of milk costs more than a gallon of gas. So we're putting we're putting gas on our cereal cuz we can't afford the milk. I know how expensive meat is and eggs are. Look, I know the economy sucks. It's terrible. And it's easy to look at cuz look I know most of you, as, the, as inflation has increased and prices have increased, I bet your paycheck hasn't. So you know how I know? Because mine hasn't. So I know the price of stuff is going here and your paycheck staying here. and It's getting hard to hurt. I understand that. And it's real easy when you're paying your bills, say, man, I, got, I can't afford to give. I, I've been there. Also know... Obedience says, I can't afford to give, but I'm going to give anyway because God told me to and I love him. And I'm going to trust him to take care of me. Look, I'm not telling you this because I I need to milk more money out of you. We've got to increase our offerings. I'll be honest with you. Look, our offerings have taken a hit in the last couple months. And I understand. I get it. But I also have seen in my personal life, when I obey God, even when it's hard. Because look, I look at... My, I look at the price of gas, too. My mom keeps wanting me to come to Lynchburg to visit her, and I, I'm like, Mom, I can't. I can't afford gas to come see you. You know, you send me some money, I'll come visit you for a while. Uh, but I, I look at that stuff, and I look, and look, I understand. Me April, you know, she, we used to, uh, with grocery shopping, she could spend a week, she could spend like $250, $300, it would feed the whole family for a week. Now she spends $250, like three days of food. We're even to ration the stuff out. We're like, you get one cracker today, Alexis. And that's all you get. You can have a chicken leg tomorrow, but you've got to share it with your brother and the dog because we've got to feed them too. And so I, I get it. <laughs> but I know if I continue to obey God in my giving, God's because here's the thing, I know how hard it is, but we've never missed a meal. Obviously. Now, look, the thing is, the kids may not eat what they want to eat, but they eat. They come. Kind of, we ain't got no food in the house. No, we ain't got no food you want in the house. But we got food in the house. Welcome to my life when I was your age in the 80s. You eat the government cheese and you like it. <laughs> you eat what you got and you find with it because you're eating. So we've never gone with, we may not have everything the kids want, But we're supplying for them. Why? Because obedience to God is always leading to a blessing of God. And if, we're, if we don't obey God... We're never going to make a difference. Third thing, and I've got to hurry up here. Third thing we've got to do to make a, a, a difference for God is reach outside of our comfort zone. Again, Peter, it's hard to know how he felt going to this Gentile Roman soldier, but he's getting out of his comfort zone. He started doing it in, verse number, in chapter number 9. Chapter 9, we didn't look at it, but he goes and he, he witnesses He sees this woman, Lydia. She's a wealthy socialite, not someone he would really associate with. And then he's stand, staying with Simon the Tanner. You know what a tanner is? Someone who takes the flesh of animals and tans them? You know what you have to have if you have a lot of flesh of animals laying around? A lot of dead animals laying around. Peter, again, he's a believer, but he's still hung up on that Jewish law he had to follow. and. He's not supposed to be around these types of dead animals, but he is. So he's already out of his comfort zone. But now God comes to him and he tells him to go to a Roman soldier's house, way outside of his comfort zone. But Peter was willing to do it because Peter understood the Great Commission. He was committed to spreading the gospel to whoever God wanted him to get it to. Now, for us to make an impact, God wants us to get out of our comfort zone to share the gospel with the lost world. Look, maybe that means having an uncomfortable conversation with your neighbors or your co-workers. Maybe it means asking a waitress or waiter how you can pray for them. Maybe it means starting devotions with your family. Maybe it means uh, praying with your spouse. Maybe it means starting to bring your family to Sunday school. Maybe it means taking a map that we have on the, on the table out there that I'm going to tell you in a minute, taking a map and canvassing an area with your family. You will not make a difference where you are comfortable. God needs you out of your comfort zone to make a difference. Fourth thing, to make a difference, look for those that God is working on. The con- we see that in chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. The constant theme in the book of Acts is God working on people for his glory. He works in the heart of his followers to build the kingdom of God. But here we see him working on the heart of a lost man to bring him to salvation. God has put people in your life that he has been working on and he wants to use you to share the gospel with with them. He wants you to reach them for His glory. And so God leads us to people that He wants us to share with. And so look, maybe it's a co-worker who's going through a tough time. Maybe it's a neighbor who's going through a relationship problem. Maybe it's a family member in pain. But it is someone in your life that God has been working on their heart, softening their heart, so that when you come to them and say, hey, can I share you the truth of the gospel? Can I share you the greatest news you ever gonna, you've ever heard? Their heart is open to receive it. But you've got to be walking with God. You've got to be obeying God for God to show you the people he's working on. As we walk with God, our eyes are open to those that God has placed in our life to share the gospel. We make a difference by looking for those that God is working on for salvation and those God is working on for salvation. And fifth thing, to make a difference, number five, ignore the criticism. Verses 13 to 14, Peter thinks if he eats unclean food, people are going to think less of him. Then in verse 28, he reminds Cornelius, hey, look, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be visiting you. It's, it's unlawful. Now, look, he's not worried about religious repercussions. He's not worried about what the Pharisees or He doesn't care about the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's worried about what people are going to think of him. How people are going to criticize him for doing what the law says he shouldn't. So if if he's a follower of God, why would he break the law? Here's a quote I found this week. It's from an unknown author, but it's got great truth in it. Don't mind the criticism. If it's untrue, disregard it. If it's unfair, don't let it irritate you. If it's ignorant, smile about it. If it's justified, learn from it. See, people resist what God wants them to do. The Jewish culture was resistant. Peter was resistant. The church was resistant. And they were critical and they were skeptical about what is happening. But Peter overcame the resistance. He overcame his own resistance and what he thought about what other people think about him. And he did what God had called him to do. He made a difference because he was more concerned with God's will than what man thought. Look, you might be resistant to what God's calling you to do. You may be worried about what people are going to think about you. If you care about what other people think over what God wants, you're never going to make a difference. Look, our world is a mess. Can we all agree with that? This world is messed up. And look, it ain't going to get better. So how do you know that? Because the Bible says it's going to wax worse and worse. You think it's bad now? Wait a year. If the Lord don't come back, oh Lord, please come back today. But if he don't come back, it's going to get worse and worse. The world is a mess. You know, we're not, we, but we are not left here simply simply to get through the mess and make no impact on the world. We are here to change the world with the gospel. We are here to impact the world for God. But we're not going to do that if we're not walking with Him. We're not going to do that if we're not obeying Him. We're not going to do that if we're not reaching outside of our comfort zone. We're not going to do that if we're not looking to see where He's moving. And we're not going to do that if we don't ignore the criticism from the world. Look, if you don't want to make an impact for God, keep doing what you're doing. Satan will not bother you. I promise you that. You don't want to make an impact for God, Satan's not going to touch you. But if you want to make an impact, we have to get busy walking with and serving God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.